I got, a, I got a chair and a table today instead of the pulpit. I want to just talk to you, and I, I want to uh, be a, a bit vulnerable about some things that God's put in my heart for the last um, couple months, particularly in the last month, something that God's really burdened, burdened my heart with that I'd like to share with you today. You know, um, I believe that change is necessary. Whether we like it or not, God knows that we are people that need change. And he knows that we need things in our lives to motivate us to change. Sometimes he allows certain things to happen in our lives to, to cre create a desperation in us to the point that we desire change. Sometimes those things are things that we don't want. Amen? Unexpected things come that we don't want. Not necessarily things that are in God's will, but things that happen and throughout those times, God provides us an opportunity to seek him and to recognize that there's a need for change. There's a real need for change. And uh, I certainly know that when those times come, they're not easy. I, I am a creature of comfort. We all are. It's the reality. We, we try to figure out how to do things the most comfortable way, right? That's just kind of the, that's, that's just the way that we've been trained, how to do things as comfortable as possible. And, uh, you know, that's not the way of the kingdom a lot of times. Uh, sometimes, you know, it may be a straight journey to get from point A to point B, but in the eyes of God, he's got a lot of other stuff he needs you to get along the journey. So he has you, okay, that's point B, and you're here, but I need you to go down here. Let's go over here. Then we go back over here, you know. And then back to the point, and you're like, what just happened? Jesus, I don't understand. But through it, he grows us, right? But through it, he grows us. And so I, I sense that. We're at a point in the life of the rock where God's changing things, you know. Um, we, we have some vacancies, right, in kids' church and leadership there and the office management and leadership there. And Pastor Laura now having to go through a season of rest and what that looks like for her. And we've been processing some things. And as we look at that, the logical thing would be how do we, how do we just maintain what we got going? It's good. God is moving. God is saving people, and people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of great things are happening, so why don't we just maintain what's happening? The only problem is the kingdom of God is never about maintenance. The only scripture in the Bible that tells us to maintain something on is the fire. Keep the fire lit. Right? It's the only kingdom of God you know, it calls us to persevere and all, but I believe that a lot of times God allows things to happen to bring us to a place of desperation that makes us aware of the fact that, okay, it's time for change. It's time for things to be done differently. I don't know if you've been there in your life, maybe something changed at work or something changed in the family or you saw something that concerned you and your children or something that concerned you in your marriage and finally God woke you up and you begin to pray and intercede. We should have been before. But praise God that at least he lets us pray now, right? Right? Sometimes things just happen, and it's God calling us to maybe see things differently. And so throughout this time, I feel like throughout the time of prayer, like the Lord is really leading me to say, you know, stop trying to feel or logically think about how you're going to move forward and start thinking about what is it that God is trying to do different. Not because it was bad before, but because he's preparing you for what's coming what's ahead. And so, as I often do every year, I go before the Lord with a blank piece of paper and the Bible, and I say, Lord, what's your plan? What's your deal? Help me to guard me, to protect myself from my own preconceived notions 
my own ideas. And Lord, what is it that you have in mind for the rock? What is it that you have in mind for me? When I think about the work of the kingdom and what God calls us to do, it's obvious that as a church, what God really wants us to focus in times like this is to focus on this. How are you and I making disciples? How are you and I making disciples? And some would say, well, what does that mean? Making disciples or making followers of Jesus, those who follow Jesus and his commands. Someone once said the work of the church is to reach the spiritually dead, right, so that they will be alive in Christ, and to grow the spiritually alive. Reaching the spiritually dead and growing the spiritually alive. If you don't know Jesus, today is a good day to give your life to Christ before he comes back. There's grace and mercy for you. But if you know Jesus, you know that you and I are supposed to be engaged in growing in him, right? Nobody ever arrives on this side of eternity. And I can testify to you that, hey, my name is Carlos. There have been seasons in my life where I've been in the church, but I haven't been growing spiritually. I've been there, done that. And that the Lord had to probe and lead me and deal with things in order to awaken my appetite for growth. So I believe that the Lord is asking me to consider that, asking us to consider that. You know, how are you, how are you making disciples? How are you reaching the spiritually dead and growing the spiritually alive? Uh, uh, growing the spiritually alive. Matthew 28 reads this way, verse 18 on down. And Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And there you have Jesus very clearly telling us he received an authority from the Father, the authority of life and death the authority of salvation, the authority of the matters on earth, taking the keys, right, from the enemy. And so he has this authority, and what is it that he does? Here's his final statement as recorded by Matthew. He takes his authority, and he delegates his authority. He says, I've been given authority. Now you go and make disciples of the people you like. Stay away from the people you don't like because they're just miserable, wretched people. But just go to your hood, to your peeps, and disciple them. Is that what it says? And it says, go into all the nations. You think those Jewish boys had a problem with that? There was a point where they weren't, when they were leaving the Samaritans, where one of them said to Jesus, you want us to call fire to consume all of them? A little prejudice? I don't, maybe. Right? Jesus said, you don't have in mind the heart of God. Right? And Jesus is telling these guys, you, Peter, John, James, just like I took you in and I loved on you and I did life with you, go into all the nations and love them like I took you in. Teach them like I taught you. Go do life with them. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's a big deal to Jesus. Because not only in this portion of Scripture, but also in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus is ascending and going to heaven, the last thing he says is what? 
that the Father is going to send his Holy Spirit, that we will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can go to church and be comfortable. Is that what he says? Not at all. So that we can be church and be his witnesses in all the world. At home, to our neighbors, to our neighboring city, to our region, and to the world. God is calling us to make disciples. How is God intending to change the world? Through you. How is God intending to reach the world, to, to reach the spiritually alive, through, uh, the spiritually dead, and make them spiritually alive through you? How is God wanting to grow the spiritually alive through you? It is exactly what God desires. Now, God wants the Great Commission to be a driving force in our lives. We have been given authority to go out in his name, which also means that we've been given a responsibility with the authority that we have. It's a responsibility. Now, when I think about making disciples, and I think about the call of God over us as a church, over my life, can I ask myself this question, and I want you to ask yourself this question, which church would you want to be a part of? The church that says, well, I hope that everything we're doing is making disciples. Or the church that says, we are convinced that we're doing everything that we can to make disciples. Make disciples. Which church do you want to be a part of? I want to be, no, I want to be two here too. We are convinced that we are doing all that the Father has called us to do to make disciples. When I stand before God, you know what's going to be noted? It's going to be noted what I've done to build the kingdom. And when the Father sees the work that I've done and the disciples that, 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 I, that I've made, I hope that the disciples that I've brought up or, or the people that I've called to follow him or that I've instructed to follow him are people who are disciples that, that he approves of. I don't, want to, I don't want to do life building the wrong kind of church, Right? You know, and I'm not building alone, by the way. I can't build alone. It's, I'm talking about you and I right now. Right? We don't want to do life building programs that don't make disciples. We don't want to do life having services that don't make disciples. We want people to know how to hear the voice of the Lord, how to follow the Lord, and how to obey his word, and how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we sat with staff, and we said, let's dream a little bit, okay? Instead of trying to fill seats and figure out how we're going to move forward, let's just stop. Let's talk about how we're making disciples, and let's make a list of what we want the disciples that we make here at The Rock to look like. What do, you, what do we believe? What is it when, when we make disciples? Let's dream a little bit. What would you like that disciple to be like? And I'm so glad you want to see that list, because I'm going to show it to you. We, we, want, we want the follower of Jesus to know the Word of God. The follower of Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The follower of Jesus to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The follower of Jesus to be real and transparent. You know, not trying to be someone they're not. Not trying to fake it till you make it. You can't do that in the kingdom. Holy Spirit doesn't let anybody fake it till they make it. We want the, the follower of Jesus to be servant leaders. In other words, they're humble, willing to serve and to do whatever is needed for the sake of the kingdom. We want the follower of Jesus here to be a generous people who give according to the vision God's put in their hearts and not because they're, they're coerced to give. 
We want the follower of Jesus here to be engaged in community life, not only here, but in their communities. We want the follower of Jesus to be passionate and joyful about the kingdom. You know, there's something about being excited about Jesus. We want the follower of Jesus to be contented, to not have the, the not follow after the pressure, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the world, but walk in contentment and be bold. Be bold for Jesus in an age that doesn't want the truth. And we want the follower of Jesus to be a good witness, to be a good example of what it is to follow Jesus and to be a disciple maker. Right? If we're going to be disciples, part of the criteria is that we make disciples. Right? We'll talk a little bit about that later. So I have to ask myself a question, and it's a question I want you to ask yourself. Is everything that we do here at The Rock, is everything that you're doing with your life conducive to you making disciples? Is everything that we're doing here at The Rock really conducive? I sit with the Lord, blank piece of paper, the Word of God, the Scriptures, and I ask myself, Lord, everything that we're doing, is it making disciples or are we wasting your time? I want to know. And everything's on the line. Everything. Every staff position, whatever we're investing in, whatever we have salaries for, even mine, everything is on the line for the sake of disciples because I will not compromise discipleship. So as I consider all that, I think there are also other scriptures that give us a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. Let's read that together. Acts 2, 42 on down. We read this so often, and there's a reason why we read it so often, because I believe we need to get it. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Now here's what it looked like, looks like when a church is healthy. Number one, the church was devoted to the teaching of God's word. Number two, the church lived in community with each other. The church experienced the power of God. They met together in the temple and worshiped God together in a corporate level just like we are. But they also just as much met in their homes, right? And got deeper in the word of God and into fellowship and into confession and into accountability. The church had one vision and they were generous. They, they, they also encountered the presence and the power of God, the miracle power of God. And people were getting saved and coming to faith in Jesus. When I look at Acts chapter 2, I'm like, Lord, I want to be a part of that kind of church. When I look at the rock, this is, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. If you're visiting today, you're going to, my apologies, this is a very local message that I'm preaching with a lot of local realities here. But if you're visiting today, wherever you go to church, I'm pretty sure that you want to go to a church where Acts 2.42 on down, it's happening, right? Because we're talking about the big C church, not just about a local church. We're talking about the big C church, the big deal. People were getting saved, coming to faith in Jesus. And then Ephesians chapter 4, 
gives us a picture of the inner workings of the church. It says this, God gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Those are gifts that God has given the church. For what purpose? To equip the saints. Who, who are the saints? You are. You're a saint. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you're a saint. If you've repented of your sins and you turn to God and you say, I commit my life to follow Jesus, even in your brokenness, even with your, isu- even with your issues, you're a saint. And you need to start seeing yourself as that. Because when you don't see yourself as that, you're keeping yourself from being everything that God's called you to be. You're not just struggling. You're not just, you know, a sinner saved by grace. You're also a saint and the son of the living God. And that's where your victory is. Right? And you need to understand both. We're sinners saved by grace and a son of the living God. So devil, don't mess with me. Don't try me today. Not today, Satan. Somebody knows the reference. Right? Not today. We got to have that attitude. Well, I have my friend Paul from Dominica, his mother, Miss Jennifer. She'll kill me if I tell this story. But she's from Dominica. She's got this strong accent, right? And I was in the house, and I was just kind of depressed and feeling kind of down. And Jennifer looked at me and said, Carlos, what's going on? Hmm? What's going on? So I'm not feeling too good today. What's wrong with your face? What are you declaring in my house? Get the anointing off, Paulie. We're going to pray right now. She had no time for my complaining, right? I was like, I don't even understand half the things she's saying, but I think she's walking in some authority. I'm about to get delivered, right? Like she just, she wasn't playing. You know, the church has to have no time for the enemy in his lives. No time. No time. Says God has given these gifts to the church so that the church would be equipped for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until what? Until we attain unity in the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's not just intellectual or doctrinal knowledge. That's so that you would know him, a personal relationship with him. To what point? To a mature manhood or to maturity, fully. God wants you to grow fully to the measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, if Jesus is the head and you're the hand, you are now training your hand to respond to the neurons, to the, to the mind controlling you and leading you, right? To the point that you're surrendered, right? And there's no delay response because what the mind is thinking for the hand to do, you're doing instantly because the mind of Christ, you're growing into the fullness of who God is. Isn't that awesome? I've not arrived, y'all. I've not arrived, but I want that. Anybody with me? I want that. For what purpose? So that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning. In other words, God has given gifts to the church so that the church would be equipped, so that the church would be strengthened, so that the church would know Christ, so that the church would have the mind of Christ because there are schemes in the world. There's deception in the world. The Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be false miracles and and false revivals, things like this, and false prophets. And the church has to be awakened to that reality. We need discernment so that we're not going here and going there and going here and going there, chasing after the next big thing, but that we know that we know Jesus. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Why do we need to grow in Jesus so that we can learn to speak the truth in love? Because truth is spoken in love. 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. In other words, Jesus is the head. You and I are the body. We're joined together. As we do the work that God's called us to do, that's what helps us to grow. But if you're not doing the work that you're calling to do, then I'm disabled. If I'm not doing the work God's called me to do, then you're disabled. And then the church is walking in a spiritual quadriplegic state because it's not connected to the mind of Christ. Right? So then I got to ask myself, as a pastor, this is a gift God's given me for one purpose, only to serve. So I got to ask myself, am I doing all the serving? Are we leading a church that is basically a couple of leaders, five or you know, three to five leaders doing everything, and then everybody else comfortable being paralyzed? That's not the way of the kingdom. And that is not good ministry. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My youth pastor used to say that, this to us. He says, I'm praying that God will make you uncomfortable, that he would wake you from your sleep and put an urgency in your belly that you would have to get up and say, God, something has to be done, and I got to do it. <laughs> it's like, Mickey, why, why don't you want me to sleep? Just leave me up. I just want to sleep. Right? But she would. And then we would start being really desperate. God, Mickey, I got to do something. something. God's calling me to do it. I don't know what it is. I'm frustrated. She's like, praise God. I've been asking for you to be frustrated. Now, what kind of pastor prays for that, right? Because it needs to happen. It needs to happen. God has to put an urgency in our hearts for the great commission, for the lost, for the broken, for the people that surround us, for the church so that we could serve, so that we can grow and not be paralyzed. Amen? When I think of all these scriptures, I think that these scriptures give us a picture, a clear picture of what God expects us to be as a church. And as I read through these scriptures, now I'm going to just talk to you as God's been leading me, as best as I know to hear him. As I read these scriptures and I process where we're at at the rock, the beautiful history that God's given us, the great victory that God's given us throughout the years, I thank God, thank you for yesterday. Thank you for how beautiful, how awesome you have been. Lord, I don't want to be so in love with yesterday that I'm not ready for what you have in the future. I'm ready to say yes to whatever you have. What is it that you have? And these are the things that I believe God's speaking to me and to the leadership here at The Rock, and we want to welcome you into this journey because this is your journey, not just ours. I believe the Lord is saying to us, we need to take some time to press in, in prayer and in worship. Um, so, of course... We see some vacancies and some things that are changing, and we think, well, why don't we just fill those spots? But God is saying, no, I want you to just see, sit and pray and seek my face. So we're going to do some things a little bit differently. First, I want to welcome you to pray with us weekly. All of us are taking a day a week, so you can take whatever day a week works for you, and we're praying for specific things. If you're a part of the rock, we're asking you, we're summoning you, commissioning you to pray this way. Pray this. Pray, God, we welcome your presence at the rock. Pray to God, we want to obey your word and do your will. Pray three, God, we want clarity of the process of someone coming to hear your word, getting saved, and being discipled here. Would you clarify that process even more so? To God, give us big picture 
Give us a big picture view and, and resource what you call us to do. Now, I know this to be true. If God called you to do it, you're going to have everything you need to do it. But the reality is, is that we got to pray and wait and seek the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he drops a dream. He drops vision. And boom, then we, we begin to pray like this. Wow, that would be awesome. What if God did that? What if God saved the city? What if God stopped human trafficking? What if God called fathers to love their sons and daughters and to leave a legacy behind that's a spiritual one? What if God united marriages? What if there was revival in my church? And then all of a sudden, God begins to give vision. And God, I'm telling you, you've heard it before, where there's vision, God gives provision. Right? Where there is vision, God gives his provision. So I want you to begin to pray because I want God to give you dreams. I want you to begin to seek the Lord. And particularly, seek the Lord in this how do I make disciples? How do we make disciples? What have you called me to do, oh Lord? So we're going to press in through prayer. So we're fasting throughout the week. We're praying for those things. The leadership, we're fasting on Tuesday, but you can choose whatever day throughout the week and whatever way you can fast. Seek the Lord throughout this season. Um, when are we going to stop fasting? Uh, we don't know. When God answers. When are we going to stop waiting for God? When God shows up. We're just going to seek the Lord. Not that God is not here and that God's not moving, but whatever he is doing, he's wanting his church to marinate in prayer, to wait in prayer until he does what he does. So we're praying also, as I talked to Pastor Laura, she's felt that the Lord is going to do something different in worship. So every Sunday when you come, expect something different in worship. You may have a full set. You may just have somebody on the keys. But we're just going to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do you got for this Sunday? Maybe you will have preaching. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just have a massive altar call. Maybe we'll just be in the presence of God. I don't know. But what we're saying is every Sunday we're going to come in and we're going to have an attitude of seeking the face of God. All right? Amen. Praise the Lord. So you're going to notice that afterwards there's going to be extended time of prayer and worship at the altar because we want to take some time to just be with the Lord. And then the second thing that I believe God's saying other than seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting, is this. Now, I want you to listen. It is very important. This is going to apply to you even if you're not a part of the rock. But we got to make a commitment. we got to make a decision to not sacrifice what is important at the altar of the urgent. Okay? We're not going to sacrifice what is important at the altar of the urgent. For example, maybe you go through life just, and life is just one crisis from another. If you're a parent, you got multiple kids. It seems like it's from one crisis to another, right? From one issue to another. If you live in the world, if you've been breathing longer than a second, it seems life goes from one crisis to another. But yet there are things that God has put in your heart that you know these are important things, and I need you not to compromise these important things that I've called you to do. And somehow, some way, the urgent things come, and they push the important things to the side, Right? And all day long, and all our lives, we just go from addressing one urgency to another urgency to another urgency. Before you know it, the important thing that God's called us to take care of, we've not paid attention to because we're taking care of all the urgencies. Maybe there's a lot of people who have a lot of urgency, and they feel that they have a responsibility to make their urgency your urgency. And you feel somehow, some way, that you should allow that to happen. 
There are a lot of people who live that way. Well, I got to do this because if I don't do it, nobody else will. And you know I'm God. <laughs> what we're saying. Isn't that what we're saying? If I don't do it, nobody else will. Maybe God wants you to take the step of faith to let the thing fall flat on its face. But pastor, if I do that, some people are not going to like me. What a thought. Some people didn't like Jesus. Well, if I do that, some people are really going to be upset. Whoopie-doo. Well, if I, if I do that, you know, uh, things are just going to be out of control. Are you assuming that you control things now? There are so many false assumptions that we make. The Lord's calling you to make your devotional time a priority. Make your devotional time a priority. I promise you, if you leave your dishes overnight, they're not going to grow into monsters the next day. Leave those dishes alone. You're sitting in bed, you're in devotions, and the dishes are like, DJ, you know you want to do me. No, you know, just walk away. Jesus is more important. I used to have a friend at work who had, who had a sign that said, your urgency does not constitute an emergency on my part. I was like, okay, good morning. How are you today? Because I, I was wondering if you could help me with, <laughs> you know, make you think twice about what you ask somebody who has a sign like that on their cubicle. <laughs> your urgency does not constitute an emergency on my part. There's all kinds of urgencies, all kinds of distractions out there. And God is saying you have to learn not to sacrifice the uh, not to sacrifice on the altar of the urgent that which is important. What does that mean for us? We want God to give us the big picture view. Practically, it means this. We're not adding anything else to the calendar at the rock. The events that you see on the bulletin um, and the events that you'll see are events that we planned in January. We've committed to them, and so we're going to do them, but we're not adding anything new to the calendar because we're saying, how can we add anything new? When God is saying to wait, we're just going to wait on the Lord. I, I apologize. That means that I'm not taking appointments. I'm not doing any. I got one more wedding. That's it. I'm not doing another wedding. I'm not, I'm not doing another wedding. I'm not, you know, unless God gives me the release to go or to do it, I'm just not going to do it. Because I feel like there's a lot of things that are trying to take our attention, and I have to lead by example. So, if, you know, you haven't heard from me, if there's an appointment that you're trying to make with me, understand that right now what we're doing as a church is that we're seeking for God's presence to release us for whatever he has in the future. And we're going to take the time to process how, how we're going to grow in, in this area, what God wants to do. And here's what we're going to do. We're not going to hurry God's process because what happens when we hurry God's process, we end up with idols. You remember when Moses was up at the mountain? The people were tired of waiting. What did they do? They made an idol. And I don't want to make an idol ministry that doesn't glorify God. So we're going to wait on God. But we're also not going to slow down what God called us to do. If God says, this is what I want you to do, at the moment he says it, okay, let's do it. Right? I heard a preacher. He said, you know, it was just at Walmart, in my car, just feeling like God wasn't using me. And I was weeping, God, oh, God. Why don't you use me? Just use me once. I want to be used. I said, God, please use me. You can use me, God. And God said, okay, you see that guy in the truck? Go speak to him. Lord, is that really your word? 
I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It's, it's like, but oh, so you want to, see, here's the issue. We want to be used by God, but we want to be used comfortably. And it's like, I think God used Jesus and the cross was not comfortable. God's going to use you and your cross is also not going to be comfortable, right? It's just that, you know, he said, he said, so he went over there after he pleaded with God, are you sure, God? And he went over there, he talked to that guy in the truck, he said, hey, I just want, I, I just, I, 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 I just want, and Jesus loves you. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus loves you. The guy looked at him, he did not preach, he said he grabbed the gun and he, said, he grabbed the gun that was next to him and says, I told the Lord, you got to speak to me today because I don't, I don't, if you don't speak to me today. See, that's why we want to wait on the word of God, because it's a life and death situation. And this is why we won't, we won't hinder the word of God once he speaks it. It's a life and death situation. Why are we talking about discipleship right now? Because people right now are entering into eternity without the hope of Jesus Christ. And I am not okay with that. And this church cannot be okay with that. Lastly, we're going to say yes to the call of God. You can stand with me at this time if the ushers can help me with this. We're going to say yes to the call of God. Um, listen, some things may be done different um, here, not only through worship. On Wednesday nights, for the adults, we're not going to have Bible study like we used to have them on Wednesday nights for the adults. And the reason why is I felt like they were really good Bible studies for that season. But I think that form of Bible study allows me to make disciples. And I believe that what God's calling me to do is to help you make disciples. Help you make disciples. So what we're going to do is when we're ready and God releases, one of the things that God has clearly spoken is we're going to take time. And we're going to have a class or, or a time where we're going to meet with people who feel like, I feel led that I'm supposed to lead a home group. I feel led that I'm supposed to have a Bible study in my home. Or I feel led that I need to grow in making disciples, and I want to learn how to do that. So we're going to spend our, I'm going to spend any time throughout the week, any free time that I have or scheduled time. I'm waiting for the Lord to give me vision on what that looks like. But we're just going to talk about how we grow in making disciples. Okay. And so, listen, something I want you to be ready for. Pretty soon, we may be going back to one service, okay? That means the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock are going to meet somewhere in between, okay? And why? Because we believe that we need to be seeking God in unity and in prayer and asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we say, well, Pastor, the parking lot's going to be a mess. Oh, Pastor, how are we going to? God's going to make it work. I mean, you know, God's going to make it work. But we want to just seek God collectively together. Make our desperation known to God and wait for his release. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm welcoming you to pray that God will give us clarity about how to go about that. Ultimately, we're going to say yes to the call of God. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, the Bible says, if, if somebody from the worship team can help me, the Bible says that outside of Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. But that when we Put our faith in Jesus, that he makes us spiritually alive. And that means that we will live eternally with him. That means that we will learn to follow him and live.
like him. That we would walk and live holy lives instead of living in the sin that captivates, enslaves us, and controls us. That the Holy Spirit will fill us with fruit, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. That the Holy Spirit would fill us with gifts of discernment, of great faith, of, of all the things that are needed to do the work of the kingdom. Today will be a great day for you to come to faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'd like to welcome you to come to the altar. I'd like to welcome you right now that you come and join me and be my brother and my sister in Christ. Let's follow after Jesus. Maybe you're here and you are a disciple, but you realize, you know what? I've not made a commitment to grow as a follower of Jesus. I realize that I am very comfortable and that today the Lord is convicting me that I need to respond and say, Lord, I want to grow as a disciple, as, your, as a follower of Jesus. I want to be like that list, spirit-filled, knowing the word, and generous, and someone who is, who is saying yes to obeying your word. If that's you today and you know that you know that God is calling you to engage in your spiritual growth, now is the time. Would you respond to the altar call? Would you come up right now? Right now, would you come up? Let's just respond before the Lord. So, Lord, here I am. I want to say yes. I want to grow as a disciple. I don't want to waste time. Today is the day that we get to decide eternity. Today is the day that we get to decide. This is the only day God's given us. No way for tomorrow. Today's the day. Here's a deeper calling. You're here today, and God's put an urgency in your heart. God's saying, I want you to make disciples. You're here today, and you're saying, Lord, I want to make disciples. I want to lead others to follow you. If that burden is in your heart right now, would you come to the altar right now? I want to pray for you. Listen, let me tell you something. I met with a sweet saint, woman of God, who said to me, Pastor, love the church. I love the Holy Spirit. I love all the work of God. I've been in church over 30 years. I just, I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. I don't know how to make a disciple. And it broke my heart because she was living hoping that she was doing right. That's not the way God wants you to live. And I was able to sit with her and say, Sister, you've been making disciples. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. You've been sowing a seed here and sowing a seed there and leading others this way. God's calling you to make disciples. You matter. I don't bite folks. You can come over here. Why don't you guys come over here? Let's make some. Why don't you come on over here? And you know, and, and, I, and I sat with her and I said, this is how you've been making disciples. This is how you've been being a blessing. Let me say, maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can make a disciple. I don't know that I can, Pastor. Listen, I just heard a message this week. I think it's so true, and I want to encourage you with this reality. God's master plan to reach this world is you. You. You are all that God needs, a surrendered heart and a willingness by you. God can use you right where you're at. Listen, the Bible tells us about a Samaritan woman, five husbands, and the guy she was with was not even her husband. And she became an evangelist immediately. And many came to faith in Christ because of her testimony. God 
can use you to change someone's eternity right now. Some would say, well, I'm not perfect. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> None of us are. But God can use us in our imperfections. God can use us in our imperfections. That's what, that's what gives them the glory. That's why Paul said, we're earthen vessels. But the excellency that fills us is the power of God. God can use you. God will use you. Don't make less of who you are. You matter to God. You are the master plan of God to reach this world. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. And if the altar workers will come up, and, and those who I call to pray will come up and help me pray with the folks here. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm more excited about you uh, today and about ministry today than I was yesterday. And it's not because I know exactly what things are going to look like in the future. It's actually because I don't. Because I know that you're in control. And I sense your Holy Spirit about to break forth in power at the rock. And Father, we're excited. And we say yes. And Lord, here, God, there are, here are disciples and followers of Jesus. Your followers who are saying, I want to be engaged in my community, in my workplace. I want to respond. I want to be engaged. Lord, I pray, release your anointing. Release your power. In the name of Jesus, thank you that you are going to make disciples through your people, Lord. We pray these things. Hallelujah. So we're going to be praying for you here at the altar. Remain here as long as you wish. And we're gonna, if, you, if, if you have anything else you need prayer for, let us know. We'll be praying for you. Church, God bless you. Fathers, God bless you. You matter. You matter. Go disciple your children, your families. You matter. We celebrate you today. Have a great day. God bless you all. We're going to pray here.